just share with you, uh, how many of you like victories? You like to win? Yeah, I don't like to win. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I can't tell. I think it depends on what day it is. Um, but I, w- I want to tell you, Kingwood Church has had a fantastic year. And I want to share some of those victories with you, um, so that you so that we can celebrate together. How about that? Is that all right? All right, so some of these will be very meaningful to you. A few of these you might say, I don't even know what that means, and that's okay. Um, in 2019, uh, our Facebook page engagement is up uh, 1,168%. So we're becoming much more active on social media, and here's why that matters. Because that is a platform of ministry where you can minister to a person 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Right? Because people's lives go on all that time. This year we've welcomed just under 400 guests. We launched a City Serve Life group that ministered to 112 people in our community. By the way, um, some of those people worked at our local fire department, which I'll talk about in a minute. Isn't that something? We added a worship service, a monthly worship service called 20's Life to reach the the high school graduate to 30 year old um, group and uh, it's just gone better than we could have hoped for. We've celebrated this year over 400 salvations. I got an update for you on that too. That number's now out of date. We added our 100th missionary this year and uh, we're supporting the gospel being spread all over the world. We had the largest missions team in our church's entire history with 53 people. In 2019, we added 21 new leaders. In the last two years, the percentage of people serving at Kingwood Church has risen by 20%. This fall, we had 727 people, adults in life groups, which is the highest number of people we've ever had in any form of group in our whole history. We upgraded our internet. Now, some will get some of your attention now who's been zoning out. We've upgraded our internet, and we've purchased equipment for video and streaming ministries, much of which will launch next year. We also upgraded our building with many renovations, you know, uh, it, it's not in 2019, but recently, bathrooms, the back half of the building's been renovated. You might have noticed in our children's uh, wing up here, we've been doing a lot of work. We're, we're adding several different ministry uh, spaces that we haven't had before. We, we're adding a, a, a young mother's room, we're adding a young parent's room in the back, and we're adding a special needs ministry room right in the front that we're very excited about. Um, so a lot of a lot of great things have happened. We and that's not all the things. I'm just giving you some of the some of the best things. We grew in so many areas this year, and it's been exciting. But there's one area that we have not grown in this year, and that's the area of giving. We are about identical in our giving to the year before. In other words, we, our giving hasn't gone up any. And here's the reason that that matters. That matters. Because we cannot continue to reach more people with the same amount. Does that make sense? If you had a third or fourth or fifth child, 
wouldn't, wouldn't you need to have your salary at home increase a little bit to take care of those extra kids? Well, that's, that's where we are as a church. Now, we know the enemy doesn't want us to grow, right? I mean, there's no confusion about that. He doesn't want us to reach Shelby County. Late Thursday night, we had a fire right here on Scrooge's bed. And the flame went up his bed and burnt this third of the screen out. It almost reached the ceiling. Thursday night. And as I entered the building, I walked in and there were about 10 or 12 firemen standing right here. And this entire room was filled with smoke. Fire alarms were going off and sirens and lights flashing and People had been evacuated, and I came in the back door, and I thought, oh, Jesus, no, not, not now. I mean, in less than 24 hours, we got to play. It's supposed to happen. An outreach is supposed to happen. And people have been getting saved like we've never seen. So, so right? So, not now. But it ha- how many of you know crisis don't come at the time you want them to come? They come when they come. And this little uh, smoke machine thing beside Scrooge's bed had fried and it caught his bed on fire and it sent the thing up flames 20, 30 feet in the air. And it was, it was bad. And I walked in and thank God the sprinkler system, you know, when, when this building was built, God knew where to put the sprinkler system. Because the sprinkler head was right above the machine that caused the fire and it put it out. The firemen didn't even have to bring their hoses in here. Isn't that good? But when I got here, there was a puddle, there was a little pond on this side of the floor right here. And, the, and this thing was wet, and it, you can still smell a little bit of smoke. We've been working on it for days, you can still smell a little bit. There was a char in this room that you can't imagine. All the electrical, we had to shut everything off because nobody knew where the fire came from. And we, had, we had cords laying underwater. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And so I'm talking, and the, and the, the uh, Alabaster Fire Department, by the way, were incredible. They were at, isn't it something that not long ago we were at their place ministering to them, and now God in his providence had them here in our place helping us? Isn't that something? I think God knows how to work these things out. So everybody who knows all about this, I don't know anything about this, I never experienced a fire, are telling me, hey... You got, you, you got, this isn't going to work. You're going to have to close this thing. Like you can't inhabit this building again right now. So I start to think, can we even have church Sunday? Like I, like I know that Scrooge is out Friday and Saturday. Can we have church Sunday and Scrooge maybe Sunday night? Can we even do that? And our master's commission, many of our MC students cleaned underneath this. And let me just tell you, we found Jimmy Hoffa's body under here. <laughs> you don't even want to know the things that were under here. We cleaned everything out on this stage, pulled all the wires out. Surfro came in and did a fantastic job. We had an electrician here in the middle of the night. We had a sprinkler guy that reset everything. He went home and went to bed, and two hours later, a second sprinkler head randomly went off and flooded the whole building again. And I thought, worse than the first time. And the back hallway was underwater. It was, I'm just telling you, uh, we've been through 50 shades of crazy in the last little while. I was up here at about 5 a.m. Friday morning, and, and Pastor Mark was here even later than I was, and people were rotating. Many of you just showed up and helped. And I want to tell you something. 
through God's favor and grace and the, and the kindness of a lot of people, I was standing on this stage Friday night at 7 o'clock introducing everybody to the gospel according to Scourge. And it was absolutely a beautiful moment. And, and, I, and I want to tell you this. That night, 48 people got saved. 48 people. Now, don't tell me that we're not in a battle. Let, let me tell you what Pastor Jeremy told me. He said, we've got the most prayer we've ever had. We've got the most problems. We've had one incident after another. We've had more incidences than one year we've had in 10 years of Scrooge. He said, we have the most prayer we ever had. We have the most problems we ever had. And we have the most salvations we ever had. You think those are connected? Those are connected. Last night, well, let me give you context. Last year, last year, all six nights, we had 116 people pray a salvation prayer. The whole year, the whole six nights. Last night, we had the highest number of salvations we've ever had at a Scrooge performance. We had more salvations last night than we had all of last year. We had, you, you, we had 140 people last night pray to receive Jesus. Is that awesome? <laughs> Is that awesome? Hey, you tell me the devil's not fighting. 188 people would not have had the opportunity to pray a salvation prayer this weekend had that fire taken this building out. It would have absolutely stopped it. You know, there's another way the devil often attacks us that we don't think about, though. And it's a lack of resources. The only thing that can stop a vision is a lack of provision. And so you know when you get squeezed at home, you may say, I feel like God wants me to do this, but, but we, we don't even have the stuff to do it with. So we're in a place, our goal this year was, to, was for our income to go up 5%, and instead it is laid about the same, which we're grateful for. But to continue to do the things we need to do to reach Shelby County, we, ne we, need, it to, we need it to go up. Because we're reaching more people than we've ever reached, and we're doing more than we've ever done. So I just want to ask you, as we get near the end of 2019, if you could set aside something extra to help us. We could make the gap up. It's going to take an extraordinary month of giving, but we can make the gap up. And I just want to ask you, because you see God moving, would you just consider helping us and giving an extra offering um, before the year's over? And we, we'd appreciate it a lot. Well, today we're um, continuing our series we've called um, Worship the King. And we've been talking about worship postures. We talked about lifting up our hands. We talked about bringing our gifts. And today we're going to talk about um, a type of worship, a posture of worship that you might not even resonate with you initially as worship. But I believe it will connect you to God in a, in a form of intimacy that is 
hardly like anything else. I want to talk to you this morning about the, the posture of worship of pouring out your heart before God is an act of worship. Not just going to worship from our mind, but we're going to worship God from our soul, from the depth of who we are. Now look, you might be in a good season of your life right now, and if you're in a good season of your life, I want to encourage you to pour your heart out because God's been good to you. You might be at kind of a dry season spiritually, just sort of, just sort of bland and you know, kind of going through the motions, and maybe you haven't been able to emotionally connect with the Christmas season or with God or whatever, and I just want to encourage you to pour your heart out to God this morning because He's a God that's faithful in every season. Maybe, though, you're in a difficult season, and this message is probably going to minister most to those of you who are just in a hard in a difficult season, and you're really going through it, and you know, maybe you say, gosh, here I am at Christmas, which is supposed to be the happiest time of the year, and if I'm honest, I'm, I'm miserable. You know, I'm, I'm going through it. Maybe you're feeling alone today. As we enter the Christmas season, there may be someone who was a part of your life last year who's gone, who's not here this year. Maybe it was a broken relationship, maybe they've passed away, and you feel alone. Or, or maybe you're battling with fear. You're afraid. You've gotten a bad medical report. And you say, man, this just I just can't emotionally connect with what's going on around me with all the joy of the season. Maybe you're stressed. You're trying to buy gifts and do all the celebration. And financially, you look at your bank account and you just go, I don't honestly know how we're going to do all this. Maybe it's relational stress. You know, this should be the happiest time of the year, but if you're honest, because of a painful relationship, it's the most miserable time for you. If you're in the middle of a difficult time, I want to encourage you, and I want to give you the opportunity today to pour your heart out, because that is a form of worship, and because God, the Bible says, is close to the brokenhearted. So the first two scriptures we're going to look at are written by King David at really low points in his life. Look at Psalm 142. Verse 2 and 5, he says, I pour out before him my complaint, before him I tell my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Notice, he's not saying, yay, God, you're awesome. He's saying, my life is miserable. I'm going through it. And, but he does say something interesting. He says that God is his refuge. I want you to remember that because we read it again in Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. In the time that King David lived, there were six cities of refuge. In other words, if you accidentally were to kill someone, your life would be in danger and they had set up six cities of refuge that you could evacuate to and you could hide in those cities. And by law, they weren't allowed to touch you there. You would be safe there. That's what this picture of refuge comes from. You know, a lot of children have a safe place. Maybe you did when you were a child, like a closet or a, a blanket or a stuffed animal or a club, a treehouse in the backyard or something. I was raised in a lot of chaos And so my safe place, uh, although I didn't know it at the time, was in nature. 
I would go outside and I would, I would kind of get away because there was, there was peace there. There wasn't chaos there and that was my safe place. As you grow older, sometimes your safe place isn't a place, sometimes it's a person. I remember about 10 years ago, we were in Honduras on a missions trip and uh, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Mark and I were sharing a room and uh, you, you may be aware of this, uh, about a 7.1 magnitude earthquake hit Honduras while we were there about 100 something miles from our hotel. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, um, the, the floor, but you take a blanket and ruffle it like this, I, I, I was just shaking like this and I sat up and looked and I looked down at the tile floor and it was ruffling like a blanket like that. And, and my brother-in-law in his incredible wisdom sat up and said, it's okay, it's just an earthquake. And I thought, I, I'm, I'm half asleep and that doesn't sound okay. And so we, he and I jumped up realizing it's not okay and about couldn't get through the doorway. We were going through at the same time and ran into Pastor Mark as we came out at the same time. And there the three of us are standing there and the way the rooms were built there, you had to have a key to get out of the room. And we're standing there in the dark with our cell phones up with the light on like this going, you got the key? No, I thought you had the key. Well, I thought you had the key. I don't have the key. Where's the key? And the building is vibrating like this. We can't get out because we can't find the key. I thought, we're going to die because we don't know where the key is. So I discovered right then those were not going to be my safe people. These are not my safe people. No, I, I, I'm, I'm joking. They've been incredibly safe people for me in a lot of ways. So maybe you're safe places in a place maybe it's a person but the Bible says that God is our safe place he is our refuge and as you pour out your heart to God today or any other time I want to encourage you to do two things if you're taking notes you can write these down number one remember God's faithfulness in the past we don't know who wrote Psalm 42 but some people believe it was King David after his son Absalom had betrayed him now, we don't know that, but that's what some people believe. Whoever wrote it, they were at a low point, and I want you to hear, hear Psalm 42, 3 through 5. My tears have been my food day and night. <laughs> How many of you have ever cried a lot? I've cried a lot. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? In other words, if your God's so awesome, why, why does he sit by and let you suffer like this? Where is he? Boy, it's one thing for you to ask the question. It's another thing for people who aren't Christians to ask you the question about your God. Where's your God at? Why, why is your life going through this? Why should I serve a God that would treat his kids like that? Verse 4, David said, these things I remember. Well, you need to write that down. These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protect, protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise why my soul are you downcast why so disturbed within me put your hope in God for I will yet praise him my savior and my God in other words he begins to David begins to preach to his own soul he says I remember come on soul remember your soul forgets you know that? God can do a miracle in your life and next week you might not even remember it. 
You think this is going to kill me. This is going to kill me. And then God comes through, does a miracle. You make it through. And a week later you go, oh, where's God? And so you got to do some soul practice. you got to remember some stuff. You know, um, this year has been a really, really bad year for me. It's been an incredible year for our church. But let's shh, don't tell anybody because pastors aren't supposed to have bad days. I didn't have a bad day. I had a whole bad year. I can't wait for this year to end personally if you want to know the truth. It's been a bad year. It's, it's really been a rough year. Six months ago, we closed our school that had been open for 40 years. In 90 minutes, I did four sit-down interviews with every major media outlet in Birmingham. CBS, ABC, NBC, and Fox. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, Oh, I hope the media comes and interviews me today. And asks me some really hard questions about why it is that I had to make a decision like this to do all of this and all of that. It wasn't fun. In the middle of that, my mom was hospitalized four times. And, and I was trying to figure out how do I go there because I, I, I take care of my wife and I, I have our kids and then all this is going here with the school. How can I get away? Because well, the reports that I was hearing is we're not sure she's going to make it. It's touch and go. So she go in the hospital, then she get a little better and come out, then she go back in. She went in four times in the month of June. And I was trying to figure out, do, do I go? Do I not go? Is she going to live? Do, do, I can't go much because I'm, I'm, I'm confined here. Do I, do I wait for the funeral and go? What, what do I do? In the middle of June, we went to our summer camp called Beach Freak. And um, managing diabetes in the middle of a stretch of exercise like that is extremely complicated. And so we worked for two weeks to try to get the best plan we had ever had to get all of that as good as we could get it. And so we got all that ready. We got there. We unpacked. Our two kids went to the beach and jumped in the water. And we thought, yay, we've got, we felt better about the plan we had than we've ever had. And two minutes after I got in my room and sat down and thought, I'm going to lay here for about an hour and just chill out. My son calls and says, my pump's broken. How did it break? I don't know. It just quit. How did it quit? So we came over and looked. There was a hairline fracture in the back of it. And when he went in the ocean, it fried it. And for the next three days, we went on a shot regiment and tried to figure out how to keep his sugar under control, working on it day and night, day and night, day and night. And about Thursday, we got it under control. It's the worst week we've had. Then this fall, we went on a backpacking trip. My youngest son had to switch schools his senior year. He lost all of his sports activity and all of his friends. And he was on his last backpacking trip with the leadership group of our youth group this year. And his diabetes blew up in ways I've never seen. We just talked to the doctor last week about it and said, can you help us understand? I've managed his diabetes since he was five and I've never seen this. Can you help us understand what happened? To give you the short of it, he ate as many carbohydrates as an adult male would need in three days in one night. 
And at 3.30 in the morning, we were still trying to get his sugar to come up because it wouldn't come up. And we're stuck out in the woods. And he said, Dad, can we just go home? And I was thinking, this is his last trip of his senior year. And this is how we're going to end it. Then, a couple months ago, my dad had um, five bypass open heart surgery. He was in the hospital 17 days. And the same thing, I was trying to, I, I, can't just, I can't just have an emergency and get up the next morning and go. I have to plan a lot of stuff. It takes a lot of intense planning because I'm in the hub of a lot of care. I can't just go. So I was trying to figure out, is he going to live, is he not going to live? I don't know. And, so, and he'd had a stroke a year before that. So we didn't know. And then a few weeks ago, about 10, 45, 11 o'clock, Stacy falls backwards down our stairs at home and hits her head on the tile floor and cracks it open. We go to the ER. I'm sitting there at the ER about 2 o'clock in the morning. They're sewing her head back together. We get home about 3. And then, of course, it's Saturday night. It's always, if you've ever been a pastor, it's always Saturday night. Always. So we got her head sewed up, and I made sure she was conscious enough and left her at home while I came here. You can't ever just look at somebody on the outside and tell what's going on on the inside. You don't know what's going on on the inside. And then Thursday night about 10.30 my son got a phone call and said, hey, one of the Master's Commission students wants to talk to you. I said, what? She said, Scrooge's bed's on fire. I said, what? Scrooge's bed's on fire? Yeah, Scrooge's bed's on fire. I said, well, did you try to put it out? I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what to do. No, they told us to go outside. Who told you to go outside? The fire department. We called 911. Okay, I'm coming. And I came in here, and, and we fought that project till 5 in the morning. And I got back here at 8 a.m. because the fire marshal was coming, and we were just praying, God, please let this thing open. And I sat there, and I thought, God, when, when will the crisis end? When is enough enough? And a few weeks ago, I was reading in my devotion, Psalm 37, 5, that says this. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Now, now, now let, me, let me say something, okay? You ever read a scripture and it just, um, it just sat on you like fog? That was in my devotions one morning, I read it, and it just sat on me. And I went to do my prayer time, and as I was praying, I couldn't get that verse out of my mind. And as I began to pray over it, I began to say, Now God, you know how many times I've fasted and prayed and asked you to heal my wife, and every day I look at her, she gets worse? You know how many times I've pleaded with you and begged you to just make my kids normal? Will, will, will you? Will you? I feel like I've trusted you. Will you act? You ever just get in a fight with God? Will you act? Will you really? And if you will, when will you? Because like I've been waiting for a long time. A lot of people go through tragedy, but oftentimes it happens and it passes in a year or two and they're over. I've been 15 years. God, when? When is this going to 
when is this going to end? When is relief going to come? Because it don't look like you're acting to me. Is that scripture even true? Is it true? And as I walked and I punched God a couple times, and I prayed, and I walked, and I kept praying, I started to think about other times in my life that I'd been under a lot of pressure. And God had acted, and he had intervened, and he had healed, and he had moved. And, and, and as I began to pray, I said, well, God, I guess what trusting looks like in this season of my life is not knowing necessarily that you've acted yet, but trusting that you'll act at the right time. I guess that's what it looks like. And I want to tell you, I'm so glad that part of worship is pouring out your heart in honesty. You don't, I don't do fake very well. You don't have to pretend. You can just bring it like it is. You can tell him like, you know some of your problem is you don't ever tell God the truth. Just tell him the truth. He, I figured out he can handle it. I hadn't scared him off yet. And I want to give you a chance just to pour your heart out and to say to God, God, this heart's like hell. God, I don't understand how long and when and what are you going to do. Jeremiah was one of the people in the Bible who knew what pain looked like. And for 20 verses, he just poured his heart out to God. And in Lamentations chapter 3, 19 through 23, listen to this. He said, remember my affliction and my wonderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. In other words, he's, he's being crushed. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to him. Watch this, watch this, verse 23. They are new every morning. Watch. Great is your... What happened? What happened? In the middle of his desperate cry, he remembers the goodness of God. Watch. And then he stops talking about God, and he starts talking to God. Great is your faithfulness. Here's what I found. If you'll talk about God long enough, you'll eventually start talking to him. So remember, <laughs> here's the second thing, trust in God's power for your future. Jeremiah was at the lowest point you can imagine, and some of you are at a low point today, and you know how he was feeling, and in the middle of his pain, he poured out his heart to God. Listen to his honesty and sincerity in Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. Verse 7, I lie awake. Hey, sleep problems are on the rise. And some of you know exactly what this is about. You have trouble sleeping at night. You lay there and you lay there and you can't sleep or you wake up too early or you never go into I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. For I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears 
with my drink. Listen to this. But there are three words that change everything. Listen to me. There are three words that change everything. I want you to hear this. There are absolutely three words that change everything. And here they are in verse 12. But you, O Lord... Those three words absolutely change everything. I don't understand what I'm going through, but God, you are present. I don't have the ability to make it through, but God, you're powerful. I feel like I'm all alone, but God, you're faithful. I don't know what to do about this, but God, you sit on the throne forever. Some of you this morning are about to have a but God moment. You're going to pray and you're going to complain and you're going to be honest and you're going to pour your heart out. You're going to pour it out from the depths of your soul. I don't understand from the pit of your pain. You're going to cry to God. But listen to this. You're going to keep crying to God. And at some point, at some point, you're going to push through the pain and you're going to begin to praise. Something's going to change inside your heart as you worship him. God, I don't understand. I don't like it. I wish there was another way, but you're still God. You're still God. You still sit on the throne. Your plans and purposes to bless your people are still in place. Maybe you've lost somebody. Maybe you're in financial pain. Maybe you got medical issues. Maybe you're afraid. But from the depths of your soul this morning, I want to invite you to pour out your heart because at some point while you're complaining and you're honest and you're telling the truth and you're asking God the hard questions, somewhere when you least expect it, right in the middle of it, it'll turn from complaining, it'll turn from from arguing, it'll turn from frustration to worship. And can I tell you something? I am so glad that God categorizes that kind of prayer as worship. It don't have to sound pretty. It don't have to be a great song. You don't even have to be on key. I'm glad. If this kind of worship wasn't worship, I wouldn't have made it. Because some days that's the only kind of worship I got. Pour out your heart to God because He can handle it. Remember His goodness. He's always good. God's been faithful in the past. He's good in the present. And therefore, you can trust Him in the future. Would you stand with me? And I want to ask our worship team if you'd come. As I was walking that day and praying, when I said, God, do you really act when you're going to act? There's a song that's been on my playlist for about a month. And every time I pray, I put this song on. Because it somehow gives me permission to come back to God in an honest, open way with, and pour my heart out to Him. And this morning, that's what I want you to do. As a worship team, just close your eyes. And as the worship team begins to lead, I want you to go ahead now. Just say, God, I I pour my heart out to you. This is a safe place. God, I pour my heart out to you. God, you are my refuge. You can tell God the truth. You can say what you feel. You can say what you need to say. (laughs) You just begin to pour your heart out to him. God, we pour our heart out to you today. Lord, we worship you today. 
God, we tell you the truth. We tell you we hurt. Lord, we tell you we're frustrated. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. No. For blessings, Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do. I just want you, and I'm sorry. Just sing another song and take me back to where we started. I'll open up my heart to you. Yeah. And I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot. Glory enough and take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Yeah. I'm caught up in your presence, and I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up. Holy moment, I never want to leave. Yeah. Come on, lift your hands. And so I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't Yeah.